Hello and welcome back to the C'est La France podcast. My name is Sophie Nado and I'm a full-time Francophile with a particular passion for Paris and pastries, of course. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the new Netflix show, Emily in Paris, which has quite literally just been renewed for a second season. Unless you've been hiding away from technology for the past few weeks, which seems like a pretty good idea, given the never-ending bad news cycle that is 2020, then you have undoubtedly heard of Emily in Paris, the glitzy and glamorous new show from creator of Sex and the City and released in early October on Netflix. First things first, there's something I think we can all agree on. Emily in Paris is pure fantasy. Upon that fact alone, both critics and fans can agree. And how qualified am I to discuss Emily in Paris today? Well, I'm an Anglophone who, like Emily, is in love with Paris. Just like Emily, I too broke up with a boyfriend to pursue my dreams of living in France. And just like Emily, I get invited to events and make money from leveraging my social media accounts. Although, of course, I wish it was that easy to grow your social media following. Much like Emily, I also live at the very top floor of a historic Paris building And I too am trying, although let's face it, I'm pretty much failing to date men in Paris. And that's where the similarities end. Living in Paris is nothing like what you see in TV shows. Life in Paris is exhilarating and exhausting, fun and heartbreaking. In fact, life in Paris is much like living anywhere else, only your life is set against the backdrop of Paris. Of course, The most realistic thing about the show is that you can visit almost all of the monuments and filming locations from the show for yourself. And of course, that's always a joy. So, what did the show get wrong? And what did it get right? Well, before getting into the more frivolous aspects of the show, it must be said that there is a complete and utter lack of diversity and representation in the series. Paris is one of the most multicultural and diverse cities in Europe. And yet, in Emily in Paris, almost every main character is white and wealthy. Next, one of the biggest gripes that many viewers have with Emily in Paris is the fact that Emily never once takes the metro. If you've ever been to the city, then you'll know that the cheapest, fastest and easiest way to explore intramuros Paris is by hopping on the metro. A single ticket, when purchased in a carnet, that means a pack of 10, is just €1.69, making it more than a little convenient. In the show, save for a few taxi and scooter rides, Emily simply appears in new locations and we don't actually see her journey from A to B. Of course, the fact that Emily only frequents and lives in central Paris, aside from a few trips to Montmartre, i.e. the 18th arrondissement of the city, means that she can easily walk everywhere but this certainly doesn't reflect the reality of most Parisians. And if we're going to start nitpicking, on the note of guessing around Paris, upon arriving at Charles de Gaulle, i.e. the main Paris airport, Emily takes a taxi from the airport to her new accommodation in the fifth arrondissement of the city. In the taxi ride, she would not pass by the Eiffel Tower, which is in the seventh arrondissement of the city, as they would instead take the road around the city, i.e. the Paris Peripherique. Truth be told, one of the most fake elements of the show is the apartment Emily lives in. If there's one thing you should know about living in Paris, 
is that finding an apartment is just a complete and utter, utter nightmare, which results in an incredible amount of stress. And for me personally, a lot of tears. Of course, the show never does reveal this side of things, as everything has been set up for Emily prior to her arrival, presumably by the agency. One of the most difficult aspects of finding an apartment in Paris is that you need to have a bank account in order to secure an apartment. In order to get a bank account, you need to have an address. A true chicken or the egg situation. Of course, this difficulty is not discounting the fact that many agencies and landlords are reluctant to rent to foreigners in the first place. Though the staircase going up to Emily's Chambre de Bon, the French term for a studio apartment which was once used as the maid's quarters, is a pretty accurate depiction, as is the ugly carpet and the lack of elevator. The actual room itself is most definitely not. The smallest legal apartment size that can be rented in Paris is nine square metres of livable space, i.e. the ceiling has to be high enough for the metres to count. And Emily's is probably around 40 metres squared, meaning that it's a very, 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 very large studio indeed. In fact, the majority of my friends who live alone live in around 15 to 35 metres squared. Last but not least on the subject of Emily's apartment is that the location and size of the apartment are completely and utterly unrealistic for someone who's in their 20s and is in the beginning stages of their career in PR. Place de l'Est de la Fade is one of the most exclusive addresses in, not just the Latin Quarter, but the entirety of Paris. With this prestige comes a high price tag, the likes of which Emily could probably never afford. Next, let's talk about fashion in the show. Well, let's begin with the good. I personally love that Emily's wardrobe evolves throughout the first season of the show. While she always wears ridiculous hats that I could literally never get behind, her beautiful clothing is truly one of the main pillars of the show, with viewers constantly wondering what kind of crazy ensemble she'll put together next. There are a few things to unpick in the wardrobe section of Emily in Paris. The first is the sheer number of cliches which are used in dressing the French characters of the show. While it's true that everyone wears a more muted wardrobe in Paris, particularly in the winter months, when you tend to see everyone dressed in black, beige, white, grey, or muted colours such as burgundy and forest green, people don't dress up all the time. It's perfectly normal to walk around the city in white sneakers and, quite honestly, encouraged, since one of the best ways to explore the city is on foot, and no one wears stilettos full-time. For me, this was one of the most unrealistic parts of the show due to the sheer number of cobblestone streets in the French capital. If you were to wear stilettos all the time, you would probably be forever tripping over. Next up, let's discuss dating in the show. Now, if there's one aspect of the show that I simply can't get behind, it's Emily's experience of dating in Paris, as opposed to the reality of the situation. First things first, Emily moves into her apartment only to discover that her neighbour below is an incredibly cute guy with whom she shares great chemistry. I'm sure that this might happen occasionally, but it's definitely more fiction than fact. You're more likely to never see your neighbour or, worse still, have disputes with your neighbour than actually discover they're your age and someone you'd actually want to date. 
As a fellow 20-something in Paris, trying to navigate the world of love in Paris, I can tell you that dating in Paris is literally nothing like how it is portrayed on the show. Instead, dating is pretty much the same as everywhere else, only you're in Paris, i.e. dating sucks and you're disappointed more often than you're not. When it comes to meeting eligible men in the city, one of the most unrealistic moments of the show is when Emily simply happens to find a date while sat in a cafe, and at Café de Flore, no less. The simple truth of the matter is that, like in other places across the world, online dating apps are king when it comes to finding a potential match. While many people would love to imagine that there is a wealth of eligible singles in Paris, and of course, there probably are, they simply don't just appear in your life. Instead, you're more likely to have your fair share of horror dating stories and be ghosted more than once before you meet someone you're actually compatible with. Dating is difficult wherever you are, and the scene in Paris is no easier than anywhere else. You get ghosted a lot. Not everyone you meet looks like a drop-dead gorgeous movie star, and you don't have that instant chemistry that Emily seems to find with every eligible man she meets. You make many great connections, but dating in Paris for real is messy and complicated and downright confusing. There are also a number of culture clashes to consider. Whereas in Anglophone countries, it's more common to have the talk as to whether you're officially dating and exclusive, this simply doesn't happen when you're dating in France. Conversely, a man might tell you he's exclusively dating you and then you catch him out with his real girlfriend somewhere in the city. This has happened to me three times in the past year alone. One of the most ridiculous aspects of the show, setting aside the lack of the use of the metro, is how Paris is depicted as one-dimensional, a glittering destination where, even when things go wrong, they'll be alright in the end. Though the show does show Emily stepping in some dog poop, which happens to even the best of us at one point or another, there really is dog poo everywhere in the city. The show doesn't show the gritty, dirty side of Paris. In Paris, there is, quite literally, trash everywhere. And I'm not sure I even saw a rubbish bin anywhere in the show, let alone the amount of garbage lying around. Even when I was snapping a photo of the now iconic restaurant, which starred as Gabriel's restaurant in the show, Terra Nera in real life, I was photobombed by a trash can. To round things off, let's delve into some of the more realistic aspects of Emily in Paris. One of the driving points of the show is how Emily experiences pretty extreme culture clash when she arrives in Paris. This is true for anyone who is arriving in a new country, and while the show takes this to the extreme, there are some elements of truth to it. For example, there is the extreme relief you feel when you meet a fellow foreigner to become friends with. I myself have a tight-knit group of fellow British girls in Paris with whom I can discuss the peculiarities of French culture and aspects we miss from back in the UK. Emily meets Mindy and the two immediately hit it off and find comfort in each other. Finding good friends aside, let's talk about a stereotype I saw in the show that I actually see in real life and that is the prevalence of smoking. I remember when a heartbroken friend arrived in Paris for a post-breakup visit in January of this year. She'd just broken up with her long-time boyfriend and so I convinced her to download the dating app Bumble. Her first observation? Just how many 
casual smokers there are on the dating apps. To be honest, I've been on many dates with French men and every single one of them has smoked. When I lived in London, I definitely didn't encounter as many smokers. People aren't smoking all of the time, but more people smoke on an infrequent basis than anywhere else I've ever lived. Though there are obviously a number of problematic aspects of the show, some of which we've discussed today, I couldn't help but binge watch the entire show in one sitting. Bring on season two!